Welcome to Prajna Sparks. In this episode, we continue our series, Why Nirvana Matters, where we've been talking to contemporary teachers about nirvana, peace, and its relevance in our lives and practice of dharma. And today, we're talking to each other. We are grateful to you for your sharing and reviewing our podcast as often as you can. Hi, Ishik. Hi, Zopa. I'm actually kind of excited about this because I've been so enjoying getting to talk to other Dharma teachers from different lineages about why Nirvana matters and the stimulating conversations that we've been having and the different angles that we can approach, why it's so important to consider Nirvana or why some approaches might have different takes on it. And it's definitely been stimulating some interesting thoughts as well as conversations with both Buddhists and non-Buddhists outside of the podcast. So I'm just really excited for us to get to reflect a little bit on why Nirvana matters and what it means to each of us. I'm really interested too, because we talk about this a lot to each other, but it's special to be able to share our insights with each other, with everyone else. And also, I'd really like to hear and talk with you about the conversations we've had in the podcasts, which we haven't actually had a lot of time to do. Oh, it's true. We haven't. So maybe I'll start asking you a question, if you don't mind. Why does Nirvana matter? What do you think? The obvious and easiest question to ask, but... There's so much juice there in terms of the result. And as we've explored with other teachers, why does it matter now as we're starting to engage the path or as we've been walking the path a little bit when the result, especially when we're talking about something like nirvana, peace, genuine happiness, enlightenment that can seem so far away, why is it important? now? Why does it matter now? To my mind, it matters now because nirvana happens now. It doesn't happen some other time. As a matter of fact, it is happening. It's more than happening. It's what we are by nature. It's difficult in many ways to speak about nirvana because it always makes it sound like a thing or very often a place. As I have experienced it in practice and in our studies of Tibetan Buddhism, it's really more a state of being, a state of being that pervades all things, that pervades mind, that is the very nature of our mind. And I would say that it's important right now because being all of what we are, inhabiting, embodying that state of being in all the possible ways that we can imagine now, and many that we can't, is the whole point of our existence. And it doesn't matter if you're Buddhist or not Buddhist. The beauty of the Buddha's teachings is that it isn't partisan. It's not a set of teachings that only apply to people who follow the Buddha or take refuge in the Buddha. Nirvana is important now because it is the nature of our mind to to be completely at ease blissful, 
without even the hint of any kind of pain, unease, lack of fulfillment, disempowerment. And we're not experiencing that. I honestly can't think of anything else more important than nirvana. Beautiful. One of the things that I love about the teachings, and in particular, in some ways, the ways that we were trained in Nepal and India, the monasteries and with our teachers, is the sense of clarity that looking into the result, looking into nirvana. I mean, I definitely appreciate what you're saying, because I think there is that sense of immediacy that nirvana brings when we understand it that way, when we understand that we're looking into our own nature of mind, not just what we fundamentally are, but what we fundamentally yearn for. And I think there's this clarity also that comes when we take the time to really examine what it is that we want. I feel so often like we're driven by our expectations by our assumptions about what life is about. And a lot of times these are things that have been handed on to us by our families, by our culture, by the movies that we watch, the social media that we consume, all of these things. And so I feel in part that why Nirvana matters is because it helps us take the time to really evaluate what is it that I'm aimed at? What is it that's worth using this time, this precious time that is limited, these resources, as well as that sense of immediacy that you're talking about, of feeling fully embodied in life? I love that point, Zoba, because I do think that in my life, before meeting the Dharma, I have often sort of lost my way. When we have that sense of the aspiration to embody our Buddha nature in whatever way we are most able to right now, take this mind that is in our stewardship and bring it as much closer to liberation and Buddhahood as we can in this life so that that trajectory continues forward, it gives meaning to every single thing that we do be it engaging in Dharma teachings or in meditation or being kind and generous and patient to others as well as ourselves, or just simple things like feeding my cat or making a meal. It can bring so much uplift and so much joy to every single moment of our lives. And it also brings a sense of perspective when the inevitable difficulties of life arise. The next thing I wanted to ask you about is the place of nirvana in the Buddhist teachings. One of the things that I find valuable about nirvana and why I think it matters is because the Buddha thought it mattered. The Buddha could have taught his way any way he chose, but he consistently taught, as he described it, Suffering and the end of suffering, dukkha and the end of dukkha, which is another way of describing liberation. There is a sense of structural integrity to the teachings that, to my mind, gets lost when those critical pieces get pulled out. There's still a lot that's of value, of course, but 
I find that there is an entire dimension that I miss out on or would miss out on without that context of nirvana. So I'd love to hear what you think about nirvana in the context of the Buddhist teachings, what place it has. I love bringing bringing in and identifying that structural piece, that integrity that that brings to our, I was going to say pursuit of the path, but pursuit may not be perhaps the right word, the living of the path. And I think you're exactly right. I feel like it can get a bit amorphous if we take away nirvana or say it doesn't matter. It's so funny because I feel oftentimes what I hear from people that are of the sense that, oh, it's only about this life. It's only about like being better in this life, that kind of thing, is that then it's almost like it makes it less focused, each moment less available. And paradoxically, it feels also like it can sometimes make life feel like it's something that we're entitled to, as opposed to this beautiful interdimensional interbeing of ourselves and others and all of our interactions where we really start to appreciate our life more and the and more minutely as well. So I feel like nirvana in some ways brings in the sense of what the Buddha is always talking about, right? Of cause and result and that sense of like, oh, this is what we're aimed towards because that really helps us get that sense of interplay, of interbeing, of interdynamic that that we are, and that opens up an experience of gratitude. I love that word stewardship that you brought in, because I think there is this sense of gratitude, of wonder, and of responsibility that the Buddha's teachings and the Buddha's path brings to us, because we are together. And there's a sense that this life, if it just belongs to me, then it's easy to get bored. It's easy to get despondent if it's not according to my wishes entirely, or if I'm not experiencing just what I want to feel. Whereas if there's a sense of stewardship, a sense of being aimed towards something that is both transcendent, but also very present in our own nature. I love that. So that's really how I see the structural that nirvana plays and how much structural integrity it provides to our path and impetus as well. How about you? I feel like you said it so perfectly already as you were uh, presenting that question, but I wonder if you have any further thoughts. I think the main thing that comes forward is part of why nirvana matters, and that is that There seem to be approaches that want to excise the nirvana or rebirth or karma or whatever controversial topic, but let's stick with nirvana because it's complicated enough. (laughs) But for me, what that misses is that when the Buddha spoke of awakening, he meant more than human flourishing, for example. He meant more than just having a great, pleasant life. From the very first of the four truths, the Buddha asks us to take a in-depth look. He basically stages an intervention and says, all of these things that you take to be an end in and of themselves 
are various ways that we undercut ourselves. And at first, that can be really shocking, like most interventions, because we don't see it that way. But when we understand that the Buddha is speaking from the angle of our Buddha nature, which, as you just mentioned, has to do with our interconnection, interpenetration with all that lives, anything less than that is sad and small. Even something that seems as lovely as human flourishing pales in comparison to the magnificence of what liberation and Buddhahood means. For me, that's also a major part of why the place of Nirvana and the Buddha's teachings is so valuable. As a matter of fact, Linda Madaro, in her episode where she spoke with us and in her teachings in general, does take a secular approach, but without disparaging or even wading into the conversation of nirvana, as she put it. She focuses on conditionality and allows that to take the practitioner to wherever is appropriate for them. I think that's a way to encounter the Buddha's teachings when you may have some doubts or hesitations. And this is something that could happen when you're first starting out in engaging the Buddha Dharma, or it could take your entire life. The Buddha's teachings gets into our mind stream, and from there it is able to blossom, it is able to grow, and it is able to go from the teeny tiniest little bit of something that we heard about the Buddha into full and complete enlightenment. Maybe not in this life, but sometime, because we can't avoid it. It's what we are. It's the state of being that is our nature. Eventually, we'll get there. And you can see the state of the world when we're not operating in the context of living out that wisdom loving-kindness, peacefulness, non-violence, non-attachment, etc. That is our very nature. Were there any particular conversations in the previous episodes of the podcast that really stood out to you as we are about halfway through the series now? You know, it was so fascinating just hearing different teachers' takes I think there were things from each of the conversations that really struck me that, that helped expand my own either view of nirvana or of why it matters or thinking, oh yeah, I need to investigate further. One of the ones that's with me right now was in the last episode when Kim Allen was talking about how there has to be a better way. That really just hit my heart because that speaks so directly to what it is that we're yearning for. This common experience of humanity where there's just the sense, the feeling, in many ways to me that that encapsulates a little bit that dukkha and the longing to be free of it, that there has to be a better way. I loved Doyan's approach to peace that understanding and bringing in, of course, the three trainings in Buddhism that are so fundamental to basically every type of Buddhism. 
get to share it. But of course, I just enjoyed having that conversation with him so much. So that I'm sitting with still that are informing things for me. And it's interesting because I was just having a conversation with a good friend from high school who's not a Buddhist, but trying to explore and engage with her in, in the sense of, you know, what is it that you want from life? What is enough in life? And I just feel like, to me, this gets to that heartbreak, that sense of, yeah, we want something more. We often don't know what it is. And it's, in some ways, it can feel so sad when it feels like we have the yearning, the striving, but there's no sense of what it is that's going to alleviate that, what it is that's going to fulfill that. That's another place why nirvana really matters, because I know in my own path, it's taken a long time of wrestling with the traditional explanations of what nirvana is. I sometimes feel like I need to force my mind into, as opposed to recognizing that it's so hard to conceptually wrap my mind around what it would be like to not be separated, to not have this illusion of separateness, uh, to not have the illusion of duality with which we perceive the world, and to be in that place of peace that's not a static, unchanging, what we tend to think of as like boring, placid kind of flatness, but really is a dynamic ability to be with life to be with the fullness of experience. It's taken me a long time to get there. And in some ways I have to remind myself that that's what nirvana is. We're not aiming for something that's separate from our life, very similar to what you were talking about at the beginning. It's about embodiment. It's about living fully and not just living fully, but living fully with compassion, purpose, and a sense of stewardship and duty that feels fulfilling, that feels meaningful, and that has the capacity to carry on throughout our lives and after. Yeah, I'm with you at that. And I really thought that, as you mentioned, Reverend Duyan really was able to embody that so beautifully, her description of peace as something that we find right here and now. Nirvana, as you mentioned, can seem very far away. Geshe Sherab was really incredible at getting that sense of, wow, it seems so out of our reach. But I loved how Reverend Dayon kept talking about, well, the little things in life that remind me of peace, how even the dukkha, even the pain or discomfort or lack of fulfillment or lack of empowerment that we feel in our life can be actually a reflection of the flip side of that. So we often talk about paradox as a way of understanding all of this. I feel remiss in not mentioning paradox in the discussion of why nirvana matters, because I think it matters, because otherwise we fall into this very dualistic, very black and white, secular versus religious kind of diatribe that has very little to do with how anybody experiences life. One of the reasons why nirvana matters to me right now is that paradox for me is the closest that this dualistic mind comes to experiencing non-dual wisdom. 
It's that ability to hold things that are seemingly contradictory and yet are completely in line with one another that starts to cultivate familiarity with the malleability and flexibility of mind that will lead this mind stream to that moment of direct realization of the emptiness. Paradox is another reason why nirvana matters. Here and now, even in the middle of the most difficult pains that we have, there's an underlying assumption of something's wrong here. The reason suffering and pain is so difficult is because somewhere in there, there's also the paradox of knowing this is not right. And not just not right for me, but there's some underlying understanding of things are different than this. So ultimately, to my mind, the worst possible suffering, not embodying that Buddha nature for our own and all other beings' sake. So beautiful. And I think that, in many ways, may be a good place to end. We've tipped our hand about why we think nirvana matters. And I would also just like to encourage anyone that's listening to the podcast right now to take a moment and look inside, get in touch with your own experience of what it is that you're aimed at, what it is that feels really meaningful to you. See what your heart is calling you towards and just allow yourself to feel it dig down underneath the layers of expectation and interpretation of what we've been taught to pursue, what we've been taught as meaningful, and look at what your heart is calling you towards and give yourself the chance to feel that. Give yourself the chance to really just settle into that full-bodied experience and enjoy it. Let it see, let yourself see where it leads you. And as you do, you can listen to these words and maybe resonate with that meaning as we share the merit of discussing nirvana, looking into ourselves, and making the highest of aspirations for our existence. Having, Having attained omniscience through this merit, merit may, may we, we defeat the enemy wrongdoing and liberate all beings from the ocean of existence with its surging waves of birth, aging, illness, and death. Thank you, Yeshe. Thank you. This is Yeshe and Zopa for Prajna Sparks. Be sure to join us on the next new moon for the next episode of Why Nirvana Matters. Shivni is our Tibetan singing bowl artist. We can't thank you enough for taking the time to like, follow, share, and review Prajna Sparks. It really means a lot to us. If you have any questions, contact us via email, Instagram, or Facebook. Check the episode notes for those links and for more resources on today's topic. Visit us on the web at prajnafire.com or follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Prajna Sparks. Thank you for listening. May all beings benefit.